We knew that at some point of the 2022 season that the Arizona State defense was going to be tasked with carrying the team to victory. But ultimately, you do need to have an able and willing party on the other side of the ball to achieve that feat. And those adjectives hardly characterize the Sun Devil offense in a frustrating 15-14 loss to Stanford. Not since the mid-80s has ASU held its opponent out of the end zone and still registered that contest in the loss column. And to no one's surprise, interim head coach Sean Aguano, in his weekly press conference, made what seems a very necessary announcement that now the starting quarterback role is up for grabs. And if you're a betting man, you would probably place your money on backup Trenton Borgay, who led the Sun Devils just a few weeks ago to a dramatic win over then number 21 Washington to be the signal caller at the helm this Saturday in Boulder at the expense of Emory Jones, who turned in another disappointing performance last Saturday. So what are the ramifications of such a dramatic personnel move at this juncture of the year? And what in general has the ASU offense done to reach this point? To answer those questions and address many other topics, I invited Sun Devil Radio Network color analyst and 1987 Rose Bowl MVP, former ASU quarterback Jeff Ann Rapphorst, as a guest on today's episode. So thank you as always for tuning in. Let's get this thing started. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the Devil Town. Welcome to the Devil's Junkies Podcast. I'm your host and DevilsDigest.com publisher, Hode Rabino. And as we take a deep dive into the ASU offense and the issues that have plagued this group, not only in their loss to Stanford, but truly the entire season, I could not have thought of a better expert to come in and discuss this topic than Sun Devil Radio Network color analyst and 1987 Rose Bowl MVP, former ASU quarterback Jeff Van Rockpost. Jeff, great to have you on again. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So uh, let's jump right into this. Um, as we know, uh, interim head coach Sean Aguano announced earlier today in his weekly press conference that there is going to be a quote-unquote open competition for starting quarterback, and no starter for this game uh, this weekend in Colorado has been named. When it comes to the entire element of switching starting quarterbacks more or less midseason, what are some of the benefits and drawbacks that you see that uh, can really affect this move? Well, I think a lot of, you know, anytime you have a change in a kind of a marquee position, whether it be running back or quarterback, you know, somebody goes somebody goes down because of injury or taken out. I think sometimes everybody else realizes, hey, I've got to step it up even that much more. We can't rely entirely on, you know, person A or person B or person C. So everybody rallies around that position. Um, you know, the win against Stanford was uh, such a tale of two halves uh, for quarterback Emory Jones. Uh, looking back at that game, Rapper, uh, what, did, in your opinion, worked uh, well for Jones in the first half? And why do you leave? Why do you believe? I'm sorry, his performance in the last two quarters uh, took such a sharp, adverse 180 degree turn. You know, it's really. I mean, it's really hard to, for anybody to play kind of money quarterback. You know, from, without knowing the play call and where the primary reads were, and was it a combination of you know protection? Was it a read thing? Was it quarterback's eyes? So it's always hard to kind of play what if. Uh, a couple of things I liked that ASU did in the first half that were successful. You know, they came out uh, really productive on first down. They threw quite a bit on first down. I remember, you know, during the broadcast, Tim was saying, hey, you know, well, they're really kind of opening it up with the pass. And, and everybody's thinking they want to try to establish a run game. And 
But, you know, I really liked how they were aggressive on first down. Ironically, first down is the best down to pass on um, because your playbook's completely open, right? You can run or pass. Teams don't have a clue. And if you can be successful on first down, then you're second and three. Now your playbook's open again, right? Still run or pass option. It's when you get limited or behind, the, quote, behind the chains that you get in trouble. Um, you know, I think with, with Emery, you know, he had a couple good runs. Um, you know, he is he is dynamic. He can be dynamic. You know, I think that those runs helped him. I'd like to see him maybe do it a little bit more. Um, you know, be aggressive with his feet. I mean, do you feel, you know, now seeing Emory Jones for seven games, Jeff, that if he doesn't run the ball, um, he really cannot be all that successful with the pass? Uh, because what really um, was bizarre and, and I agree with you, this probably comes back maybe more to play calling than what Emory can or cannot do physically, is that you had a team in Stanford, you look at the stats coming into the game, an absolute porous run defense, and Emory Jones, you know, I don't think ran the ball um, all, all that often and all that well, and you got a game against Colorado this weekend, which, by the way, has even a worse run defense than Stanford. We still don't know if Emory Jones will or not start, will or not play, but do you feel that he's just one of those quarterbacks that really needs to have a formidable uh, running uh, day in the office to really uh, set him up to be uh, passing as well during each and every contest? Well, I think I think he's the type of quarterback that needs to have both options there. I don't think he's the type of quarterback that you want to rely on if you're down 20 points and you just got to start airing it out and it's just a pure passing game. I think Emery's strengths are his athleticism. Really throws a nice ball. Um, you know, he, he really does. He has good accuracy on, on stuff and, and, you know, he throws off platform fairly well. You know, a lot of his men, he's had some, you know, protection issues coming into game. That issue had given back 14 sacks. Um, and I think, memory holds me right, I think we gave up three uh, three more at Stanford. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a guy you want to kind of protect, you want to make sure that you can, you know, give him the ability to run or pass when things break down. That, that makes it tough on, on any, you know, any quarterback. I don't really care who they are. I mean, when it, when it comes to the play calling, I mean, it seems like there was some kind of shift um, in in the second half. Surprisingly, you know, late in the in the fourth quarter, where the game became even you know closer to comfort than it did earlier uh, in the in the half, where it looks like the play calling was was trying to rely just a little too much on the run. And on the one hand, I can understand coordinator Glenn Thomas trying to establish the ground game again against an absolute horrible uh, Stanford run defense. But uh, did you feel that uh, the play calling in the second half maybe left uh, uh, you know, a lot to be desired? I mean, what do you think um, were the issues over there with what ASU was trying to run and obviously not really succeeding? You know, I, again, I think, like I said, it's hard to, it's hard to really quarterback from the sidelines if you're not in those meetings and you really don't understand the play calling because, you know, there may have been calls that Glenn Thomas called and that were aggressive shot plays or, you know, that just didn't get picked up either by protection or because, you know, quarterback's not processing, didn't see that person there. So I think it's a little bit hard for anybody to kind of say, well, it was a play calling. You know, it's always, it's kind of always a combination of everything, right? It's a team. Can the team execute the plays that are there? You know, what is evident is that we really didn't did not move the ball, right? I mean, only 19 first downs uh, in that game, and, and that really, you know, kind of hurt us. And then, 
you know, looking through the ASU's, you know, last couple of possessions, they just did, really did not, you know, eight play, their last possession was eight plays, 25 yards, five plays, 26 yards, five plays, 36 yards, and six plays, 24, and all those were punts. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of look at, based on the number of plays and the yardage per you know, whether it's a play calling or execution, they're just not getting the yardage they needed. You're not able to flip uh, flip field. And obviously, when you're not putting points on the board, you know, it just puts more and more pressure on your defense. So if Emory Jones is not going to start against Colorado and again, sitting here on a Monday evening, we still don't know uh, if that's going to be the case or not. Uh, we are expect- obviously expecting to see uh, uh, Trenton Morgay. Uh, be at be at the helm. I know the win against Washington seems probably like uh, 50 years ago, and there was a bye week since then. But uh, going back to that contest, Jeff, um, in that breakout party, if you will, for Borgay, uh, what did he do so well in that game that perhaps makes him the need- needed ingredient to uh, jumpstart this offense? Well, you know, I think there's, I think I said during the broadcast, there's, you know, from a quarterback perspective, you can run a play. Right, and you could execute it from the quarterback position. I think the one thing that's you know is really needed out of that quarterback spot is somebody that can energize the entire offense, that can that can motivate everybody else. You know, because at the end of the day, you can have whatever you want for stats or yards or completions, but but quarterbacks are really ultimately judged on wins, and they're judged on points. And what I saw from Trenton is when he came in, he did a nice job of getting rid of the ball quick on rhythm. Um, He's, he's not a guy who's going to, you know, tear you up with his feet, and, he, and he's not big enough to hold the ball in the pocket. So I think, he, I think Trent really understands himself and who he is, which is, okay, I've got to get rid of the ball. I've got to find someone to get the ball to. And, and I always, you know, kind of use the term, it's the right ball to the right guy at the right time in the right, span, right spot. Mm-hmm. And all of those things are about delivering a football, a catchable football in stride so that a receiver can turn into a runner. And Borgay had multiple receivers. If memory holds me right, I think he completed balls to seven or eight different players. So he was certainly spreading it around. And, and the result was, and you probably remember more of me, but I think he put, what, 21 points up mm-hmm. when, he, yeah. when he came in. So, you know, you look at just purely points per production or points per drive um, and, and compare that to, you know, what's been going on with, you know, with Emory. I mean, just looking at that, you kind of say, well, we're, you know, he, he certainly sparked it in that. Uh, in that second half. And as much as you and I have been talking for the last few minutes about uh, the passing game issues, um, again, going back to a point I made earlier, I was really disappointed in, in ASU's running game. Um, you know, not to belabor the point, but uh, I know an offense has to uh, take what the defense uh, gives them, and Stanford, you know, was not a juggernaut when it came to run defense by, by any means, and here's ASU having a hard time run, running the ball against them. Uh, I mean, when looking back at that game on Saturday, Jeff, I mean, was it just basically uh, just not being able to dominate the line of scrimmage that, that uh, didn't open the gaps uh, for the ASU running backs, or were there some issues that you noticed that really uh, handcuffed ASU's ground attack? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously, the, you know, we averaged 3.8 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. And, and if I, would you think Stanford ran for more yards per carry than us, or would you, if you had to guess, would you say less? <laughs> I'd, I'd say probably more. They, so Stanford was averaging 3.1 yards. We had 158 yards on the ground. They had 101. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting. Sometimes what happens is you look at the numbers, and the numbers tell you 
kind of one thing, and then you feel the game tells you another, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it felt like a lot of times with the offense on the on the running plays, you know, we're getting 3.8, but were we getting consistent 3.8? Mm-hmm. And were we able to, on third and three, we wanted to, you know, move the, move the, move the pile, you know, and, and move the line of scrimmage? Um, I think what a, a lot of the running backs, I thought Ngata ran real well. I thought Zay, uh, X ran real well real patient there weren't a lot of holes there but we marked a couple of times on the broadcast just the patience of the running backs waiting for a hole because you know if there's not a hole there then the running backs need to use their vision and try to let their blockers engage and then and then go opposite of their blockers right you always run off the blockers but um he, he goes left you go right mm-hmm. and so i think what we're seeing is we're not seeing control of the line of scrimmage both in the run game and that manifests itself in the pass game as well because going back and just looked we had uh, we gave up four sacks last week so now we're 18 allowed i believe mm-hmm. um you know it's, and that, that speaks to what you said earlier just you know how how effective is your offensive line bottom line from an offensive perspective i don't think we uh, engender any fear in anybody in both in the run or the pass Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of things that ASU did that I liked coming out of the bye week. You know, they came out with some two back sets. They had X and uh, Daniel and God in there both at the same time, tried some different formations, some different looks, mm-hmm. uh, different play callings, you know, and that worked for a while. Um, so you like to see that. I thought they changed tempo well. There was times on uh, second and eight, you know, second and eight or nine, where they're behind the six. They got seven yards. They went right back up and reloaded quick, got on the line of scrimmage and tried to dictate tempo. You know, so all of those things are good, but you're just trying to find that spark, and and, and that's the missing ingredient that's I think you're kind of talking about. Your eyes aren't seeing that spark, and you know the last time that we had a spark in the offense, you know, you 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 do go back to when Trenton replaced Emory and kind of sparked it, and you could you know you could see it you could see it on the field. It was visible to the fans too. Yeah, I mean, uh, one player in offense that looked absolutely outstanding on Saturday is obviously wide receiver Elijah Badger. He's a player that we heard so much um, ever since he got here um, when it comes to his untapped potential. And he's been really uh, been cashing in on that high ceiling uh, against Stanford, having a career day with six receptions, 118 yards, and a touchdown. Needed just a couple yards of real estate to come down with the fourth quarter uh, very late in the game that may have just uh, won that contest for the Sun Devils. Um, I know that you have the obvious aspect of wide receiver departures that just allow him to climb up the, uh, the depth chart and uh, really get uh, more opportunities than he ever did receive uh, up until now. But um, what do you think has really made him beyond that obvious depth chart um, status uh, as the focal point of the Sun Devil aerial attack in 2022? Yeah, I think he just catches the ball well. I think he's a competitor. You can see it after he catches the ball. He fights for extra yards. But I think he's aggressive to the ball, and I think he's aggressive on the routes. Um, You know, if you're a wide receiver – you need to attack the defensive back with as much energy as, as they're coming after you, whether it's in the blocking and the run game or the way you run your routes. You're not running your routes, you know, to get away from somebody. You're running your routes to intimidate that person off the line of scrimmage, you know, trying to get them to open up, trying to get a defensive back to open up their hips quick. Um, but, you know, coming into the game, um, he was, Badger was the uh, number one targeted receiver for ASU. He also had the highest catch percentage per target so i think it was like 71 percent of memory holds me right going into the game mm-hmm. meaning that 71 percent of the time when he was your primary guy he came down with the catch mm-hmm. so 
you know, that's uh, those are good numbers, and and we saw that that he's really become a, a go-to guy. You know, you can you can flip it out to him one-on-one coverage and rely on him to compete for the ball. And conversely, if you're a quarterback and you have a competitive wide receiver, you're more comfortable throwing a one-on-one contested ball because if that guy can't get it, you're relying on him to turn into a defensive back and break that ball up and make it a completion. I didn't want to limit all of our discussion today uh, to the offense because the way the defense played last Saturday, they're certainly worthy of praise. Uh, They truly carried the entire team on on its back, you know, keeping Stafford um, out of the end zone. Uh, Was this just a matter, Jeff, of this defense just being more daring and more aggressive, something they quote-unquote promised uh, leading up to this game? Or do you see uh, maybe other reasons, particular schemes, as to why this group by far played its best game of the season last Saturday. Yeah, you know, I, th- I mean, I think everybody, you know, you've, you've got consistency on the defensive side, especially in the linebackers. And, you know, I think it, uh, it all kind of goes, starts with, with Sole for sure, mm-hmm. right? He's, you know, he's the leading tackler. And I thought he really did a nice job uh, in that Stanford game. He was the leading tackler again. You know, he's, he's got now what? I think 87 tackles is his number on the year. So he's really making stuff happen. Merlin Robertson is the number two guy mm-hmm. um, as far as tackles. So both of those guys you look at and say, okay, they're playing well. What they did schematically, I liked a couple of times on like third, nine, third, and ten. They rolled some of the corners up. They rolled the safeties out to the halves. So they went Tampa two. They split the safeties wide. And they relied on the two linebackers. And Kyle got a deep drop, so he took anybody that was penetrating the middle. And Merlin was looking for crossers. So they played the middle of the field to death. And and I thought that really worked well with both those guys. Instead of being side-by-side schematically, defensively, they were at different levels. And uh, that allowed the safeties to be on the outside. So there were some some good looks and good drops by those guys. I thought Merlin had his, um, his best game of the year as well. So... Yeah, I like what they're doing. That's what I see. The safeties have played well. Uh, Roe Torrance has been a nice addition at the one corner. You know, he's tall, six foot four. Um, we had a kind of rotating Ed Woods play this week at Stanford because there was a disciplinary something going on with uh, Isaiah Johnson, I believe, um, and he didn't make the trip. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to credit those guys for guys stepping up, whether it's injury or some other reason, you know, rules violation or something along that lines that mm-hmm. – um, Next man up did a good job, and, and you know, and I give credit to, to Sean Iguano too, right, Coach Iguano, for you know, if you've got somebody who's violating your rules and not following along and not doing what you want, then you know it's not a bad idea to to leave behind and send a message that it's going to be, um, you know, it's, it's going to be there's certain expectations to get on the field. Yeah, and and last question, Jeff, uh, you know, with the personnel that ASU has right now. What do you believe is the effective formula for this offense to have a chance and finish uh, strong down the stretch? Or is that maybe a question that can only be answered once we know who the starting quarterback is going to be on any given Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you know, I think let's play it both ways, right? You know, if it's Emory Jones, I think it's unpredictability. I think the one thing that, that Emory's going to have to do a little bit more is attack defenses with his feet because he's so athletic. Um, he's an accurate passer. But the more he pulls the ball down or the more that – yeah, he, he comes out on a design run pass option and, and then pulls it. If, if that's the right read, that'll put a lot of pressure on the defense. Once those guys start to come up to make tackles on him, then it opens up throwing lanes behind. Um, you know, if, it, if it's Trenton, then, it, you know, it's really about tempo, getting the ball out, relying on a quick passing game. Um, you know, and if, if it is Trenton, you know, one thing I'd like to see is come out and run no huddle. Mm-hmm. You know, come out, run some empty sets, single set, 
no tights, one back. You know, they call it 10 personnel, one running back, no tights. And, mm-hmm. and let spread out the field quickly with your formation to show Trenton what's going on. Um, you know, because I think that's his strength. When, you know, my eyes told me against Washington that, you know, he, he looked like a guy who was more comfortable playing in like a passing league scenario mm-hmm. than, um, you know, try to run and pound and sit in the pocket on third and six and drive the ball. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense, Jeff. Uh, I really appreciate your insight. Uh, ASU fans, make sure you catch Jeff and the voice of the Sun Devils, Tim Healy, for every Arizona State football game broadcast. They will be on the air this Saturday in Boulder at 98.7 FM. Make sure you tune in for the great coverage of the Sun Devils, not only this weekend, but the entire season. Jeff, thank you again, and uh, we will see you in the radio booth on Saturday. Are you going to spot for us again? Yes, sir, I will. Uh, you you are amazing spotting. <laughs> Tim Healy looks over and goes, "Man, you're doing a good job spotting." And I'm going, "Yeah." He just tweeted out ten times on for all his, his Twitter followers about stuff going on. So I think you put in two thousand keystrokes on there and spotted. I'm not I'm not sure how you get double pay, but good job. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Well, it's a, it's a, all about the multitasking. So just like radio spotting, if you can multitask on the field, uh, good things will come. Good job. And that will do it for this episode of the Devil Junkies podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sun Devil Radio Network color analyst Jeff Fran Rapporst. For all your coverage leading up to Saturday's contest against Colorado, as well as your in-game and post-game content from Boulder, make sure you're a premium subscriber to my website, devilsdigest.com. We would love to have you as part of our community of passionate fans and between covering this 2022 season and ongoing head coaching search, as well as a basketball season that's just about to tip off in a couple of weeks. There's plenty to, to discuss, and we would love you to be part of that discussion. Just go on our front page at devilsitis.com, sign up so you won't miss any of our premium features, and gain access to our huddle premium message board. Thank you for tuning in, and enjoy the rest of the week. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.